came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come into America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. We got a great show for you today to to find out what's going on in America, to find out what's going on in the world. Uh, We have Senator Ron Johnson. We have Congressman Hazienga. We have Sebastian Gorka, and he is being really, really, uh, uh, well, you'll you'll hear. Uh, Dr. Peter Michalos, how do we live longer? What's going on in Europe, Dr. Uh, well, Mario Ikonomu, uh, Larry Kudlow, what's going on in the economy in the world? And uh, let's start off with uh, uh, Mike Pompeo, former CIA director, former Secretary of State. He's one knowledgeable person. John, it's great to be back. I like weekends, too. It's all good. Yes, all good. <laughs> now, Mr. Secretary, you were CIA director. You were Secretary of State. There's nobody better to talk to about what the heck is going on uh, in the world with all, with all the revelations coming out. Oh, goodness. John, where do you want to start? Do we have an hour? In, in, your fair, in your fair city there in New York, we now know that the Chinese Communist Party was operating a uh, police station where they were harassing mostly American citizens of Chinese uh, origin, of uh, Chinese ethnicity. Uh, reminding them that, you know, they knew where their family was back home and making clear to them that the Chinese Communist Party was watching them incredibly closely. And, and frankly, things worse, too. Uh, this is I'm glad the Biden administration has now indicted a couple of folks, but this problem is much bigger than I think the American people have been aware of. And to have them do this to the American people inside of our own country is another violation of American sovereignty that the Biden administration has allowed to continue. They're running their own intelligence. Uh, I understand it's more than one city. I think there was about four or five cities, some people were saying. So they've announced four or five cities. My guess is we're going to find out that there are even more. This is this is really a, a big project, an at-scale project that the Chinese Communist Party has ramped up. John, you'll remember, Rita, you will too, that when I was Secretary of State, they were running a spy ring out of Houston, Texas, out of the Chinese consulate, a diplomatic facility in Houston, Texas, and we, we shut it down uh, putting their program on its back seat for a couple of years, but clearly now building it back and harassing Americans, which is completely unacceptable to allow another country to operate their intelligence service, their police service inside of our country is something I don't think we've ever seen before and something I, I hope that uh, both uh, state governments, local governments, and the federal government will take with a level of seriousness that that presents to each of us. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, there's real concern that the government continues to grow and spend money that it doesn't have, taking away future opportunities for the next generation. When I when I was out talking to folks, they could see they could see this, and then they hear some of this noise uh, around, right? That then there's more than two genders, right? They, they common sense tells them these things are setting our country back, and they feel that it it's they're they're losing the capacity to to take care of their family and practice their faith in the way they want to. And they are scrambling to try and ask the simple question, what can they do? What can what can I do? I get asked this every time I go out. Uh, what can I do to help bring this back to a place that we all know? It's, it's less partisan than you might imagine. This isn't really about Republican, Democrat. It's about common sense. And how do we build this country back to the place where American greatness was respected and we knew that this was an important country and we were all so privileged to be a part of? Uh, Mr. Secretary, there's so many problems in the world uh... We have a couple of minutes left. What would you like to tell the American people? Because the American people are really concerned at this point. At this point. So what we're going to see in the coming weeks, uh, even more illegal traffic across our border as, as Title 42 is eliminated and individuals all across the world see that the border is even more wide open now, starting in May, than it, than it has been for these two years where it's been pretty wide open. I'm afraid, John, that we're going to see more fentanyl traffic 
Uh, we're going to see more uh, terrorists come across the border, and we're going to see the number of people coming into this country illegally that are uh, destined for bad things to commit crimes and worse. I- I'm afraid that uh, when we're on this station a month from now, we're going to think that the numbers we saw over the first year were just child's play. I expect that number to ramp up dramatically, and risk to America will ramp up dramatically as a result of it as well. Yeah. When, uh, Mr. Secretary, when you bring up fentanyl, I think China. Uh, you gave, as Secretary of State, a really strong speech about China at the Nixon Library. Has your view changed since that speech? No. Um, if anything, I, I probably left out a few risks that are associated with the Chinese Communist Party. And this, the administration, while they've gotten some things right on China, and I always try to credit them when they do, uh, they they haven't fully yet grasped the scope of the challenge that we face. It is um, the police stations, the balloon, the virus, the things that they've done here in our homeland, wholly apart from what they might do in Taiwan and how they treat their own people, right, holding a million-plus folks in what amounts to internment camps in the western part of the country. Uh, Those are risks that are real and accelerating, and we've not done enough to protect the American people from this threat. So those remarks in the spring of 2020 uh, that gave the Nixon Library, I think, captured uh, essentially what Xi Jinping has done, not only to his own people, but now seeking to do to everyone all across the world. He he seeks dominance around the world, and he is making real progress on that. The only ones that can push back on them in a serious way is a coalition led by the United States of America. Mr. Secretary, have a great weekend. Pray for Thank you. Pray John, for our Rita, people. everyone. Have a great Thank weekend. You. Thank you, Mr. Thank Secretary, you. so much. With us today is Senator Ron Johnson, and uh, he's a senior United States senator from Wisconsin, and so many things are happening. Uh, senator Johnson, uh, uh, it's been uh, a, a tough two weeks uh, uh, in Washington, uh, and there's so many new revelations. Uh, where do you want to begin this Sunday morning? But you are right. Uh, well, the, the truth is starting to be slowly pried out of the, the left, uh, you know, bit by bit, piece by piece. But it, 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 the types of truths that we've all known about, we, we maybe don't have the specifics, but now we know exactly when the letter from 51 intelligence officials that uh, covered up the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, we now know that uh, there's an IRS uh, whistleblower that's saying that there is political interference uh, involving the Hunter Biden investigation. Um, we, we had Alejandro Mayorka, Secretary Mayorkas, before our committee last week. Uh, once again, I was, I was trying to pry out of him, how many people have your administration let into this country illegally? And I, I think the figure is about 5.3 million, to put that in perspective. Uh, 28 states have populations less than that. Uh, he, he just sat there with a smug look in his face, so would really admit to nothing. Uh, it, it's it's infuriating, uh, but uh, five point three spent... five point three million, my God! Yeah, well, you, you put the numbers together: six million encounters. They don't even call them apprehensions anymore; they're encounters. They returned about two point four million, but we also have about one point seven million known or unknown gotaways. So, you add it all up, it could be over five million people. Uh, that is the extent of the border crisis, which the corrupt, complicit, and compliant mainstream media are by and large covering up. They're covering up all these uh, issues with the, the Biden administration. Well, that is uh, some number. Um, what is happening? Uh, now I understand there's, uh, uh, there's some new uh, uh, evidence that uh, possibly, possibly the, the Secretary of State is the one that gathered up all those signatures from uh, those intelligence people uh, uh, before the election? Well, no, this come, came out of uh, an interview with the uh, uh, former CIA director, I think he might have been assistant director, Mike Morrell. Uh, he's the one that led the effort, but he was put up to it by Anthony Blinken, our current secretary of state, when Blinken was working with the Biden campaign. So the Biden campaign contacted Michael Morrell, former CIA official, to have him engineer the letter written by 51 former intelligence officials without any evidence whatsoever. Actually, they had evidence. They knew the, the Hunter Biden laptop was real. Okay. The FBI knew that they had possession of it in, in December, 2019, but they wrote a letter to interfere in our election to a far greater extent than anything China or Russia ever could hope to do. 
claimed that that laptop had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation or a Russian information campaign. That letter was an information campaign and, again, had far greater impact on our, on our election than anything any foreign adversary could ever undertake. So th- this is known. This isn't suspect anymore. This is fact. I, I always quite honestly figured it was probably John Brennan and, and, and James Clapper that engineered that. But now we know it's Mike Morrell doing the work of Anthony Blinken, who's on the Biden campaign. And then, of course, the president's candidate used that lie in his debate against Donald Trump a few days later. It's sick. It's Sunday morning. What else would you like to tell the American people? Because I think I think there's a lot of them that are really worried. Well, people do. Again, what happened to integrity is the radical left has infiltrated every major institution of this country, and quite honestly, globally. And this is what gets the radical left. The, the end justifies the means. They, they don't care what kind of lies. They don't care who they destroy in carrying out their plans. You know, John, if you, if you were to draw up a plan of what you need to do to destroy this country, you could not come up with a better plan than what President Biden has implemented in his administration. And quite honestly, what academia, what our news media, you know, they're all part and parcel of this effort that is destroying this country. And again, I know it's not a very uplifting thing to be talking about on a Sunday morning, but we need to face the truth. We need to face the reality of what's happening in this country. We need to awaken to the urgency of the moment. And not enough of our fellow citizens are because the media, the, the, the big tech social media giants where most people get their news, the radical leftists themselves, they're covering up for this administration. They're covering up for the, the harm done by, to this country by the left. Understood. Um, we got a minute left. Tell the American people how we're going to save our country. Get informed. Uh, talk to your friends, your family, and neighbors. This is going to be up to we the people. We, we can't rely on our schools. We can't rely on our media. We can't rely on the political process, unfortunately, because it's, it's being dominated right now by the left. It's got to be up to we the people to educate each other, stand together, and reclaim this country. We need to save this rare and precious thing we call America. We need to do it. It's up to us. Well, Senator Ron Johnson, thank you so much, uh, and uh, have a great weekend, and um, God bless America. God bless you. Take care. Bye. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With us today is Representative Bill Heisenga. And uh, he uh, is from Middle America, and uh, I like to get. I always like to talk to people from Middle America to find out what the heck is going on in their opinions. He's on many uh, committees. He's on capital markets. He's on uh, financial services, oversights, and investigations. Well, uh, good morning, uh, Bill Heizenga. Yeah, thanks, John. It's uh, how about Bill and John? That's a lot easier All right. than. Uh, than our congressman last name congressman bill okay yeah. and you've been a congressman now for for uh what 12 years 14 yeah, years yeah so I'm, uh, are things getting any time. better in washington i mean i i just uh, i'm scratching my head I'm, I'm getting a hole in my head from scratching yeah well ed i would argue that they're a little bit better with the republicans in charge of the house of representatives and i think the leadership that uh speaker mccarthy has has put forward and steve scalise and people like that um has been helpful uh, to put the necessary speed bumps in front of this administration, I would like to go far, you know, much further, much faster uh, than uh, than what we're probably going to be able to do when it comes to things like spending and some of the other common sense issues that uh, that we ought to be tackling. Uh, but the most important thing is, is we have uh, had a, an administration that has been running amok in the last two years. We got a problem. We have a huge problem. Uh, and, you know, look, uh, I try to be the middle of the road person. And um, but the problem is 
what Washington and, and the administration has been doing, uh, everything they, they've been doing is hurting uh, the American people. Yeah. And uh, I, I've said this publicly that the American poor is getting poorer and the middle, the middle class is getting poorer yeah. uh, because of what they did with fossil fuels and with cutting down on, on energy. And, and, and they're trying to push electric cars. My God. I mean, look, if people want electric cars, it should be voluntary. Yep. They're trying to force it down our throats. Yeah. And not to mention the, the out-of-control spending that has brought us massive inflation, right? So at your grocery stores, uh, people are seeing it. That's, well, that's it, all caused. Yes. That's all caused from, goes back to the, uh, the price of oil. Yep. The price of oil went from 55 to 110, 120, and went back down. But the Saudis and the Russians say, don't lower it. Yeah. They cut production so they can get it back up again, and that's what caused food to go up. Yeah, and, and price increases are always stickier than those price decreases, right? So it's wages, you know, and I, I had one economist in front, of, uh, in front of our committee at one point talking about an expectation of falling wages. I said, whoa, 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 hold on. You are insane if you think that uh, me as a small business employer, my family's in construction back in, uh, back in Michigan. We do a little bit of real estate development. I own a sand and gravel operation that goes into ready mix. So concrete. you're a working guy. You got it. And, uh, and it, it, there is no way that I can look at Henry or Cody or some of these other uh, guys that work for us and say, hey, you know, I know I had to give you a 75% cent, uh, raise uh, per hour, but we're going to peel that back. How about you give me a quarter of that uh, back? And so it's only really a 50 cent raise now uh, that you're going to live with. They'd look at you like you're crazy, and you can't do that. You can't do that to your employees. So uh, they uh, they just have a warped understanding of how the business world works, and frankly, how I think the greater world works. Now you come from the great state of great state of Michigan, and that's where they uh, your governor is a little bit. I mean, they want to choose your words on this. But she's a little bit a lot of things. I mean, she wants to shut down the the pipelines. Uh, I mean, what is her mindset? Yeah. Uh, quite honestly, I think whether it's the Line 5, uh, which is what you're referencing, uh, which links the Upper Peninsula and, uh, and Canadian energy coming down through, uh, the, uh, the, through Michigan, it's called the Straits of Mackinac, that, uh, that link the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula, which is vital for energy getting down into Ohio and into refineries and, 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 and uh, as well, natural gas going back and forth. That's, those are pipelines that go both directions. Um, she's playing to the environmental left, the hard left, and she has done that time and time again, and it's gotten worse, frankly, John, because she, I think she's, uh, she's trying to set herself up, up for, uh, for future runs. Well, I, I like to get the opinion of middle America, like I said before, Michigan, uh, and now uh, you guys make a few cars, don't you? Uh, there's a few, yeah, there's a few that come out you of You have Ford uh, there, you have uh, General Motors. Now, Ford, and I know the Ford family, and I'm sure they didn't approve it. I don't know who did. They said that they want to change all their cars in 2024, uh, whether they're gas or electric, and not have any AM radios or FM radios. I mean, what's the sense of that? Yeah. Um, my guess is uh, it's revenue streams, right? And and they're trying to be techie. Um, the, the, you know, the... The problem is, is whether it's going to a full EV fleet, which is impossible. By the way, EVs represent about 6% of their overall sales. Um, so they're kind of ignoring the other 94%. But if you've watched any of the commercials on television, uh, every single one of them is for, uh, for electric vehicles, not their, uh, not, not their mainstay, the, uh, the gas-fired. Um, but uh, they, I think they've just tried to get too gimmicky. They've been... Uh, playing to uh, uh, playing to a lot of corporate pressure. That's one of the things that we deal with from the Financial Services Committee, is looking at shareholder proposals and the and the proposals that come into publicly traded companies, not from people who are investing for the future. They're really investing for uh, societal change, and uh, they will sometimes they're religious groups, sometimes they're just activist groups, and they'll come in. They'll buy a minimum number of uh, of, of uh, stocks, and then they will uh, uh, they will then uh, use that uh, to then um, 
try to get these these socially minded proposals uh, in place and try to name and shame that. And, and Ford has announced, by the way, that they lost. Uh, they separated out the difference between uh, all the cars they produced that they lost three billion dollars on electric vehicles yeah. but they'll fix it in the next few years uh long pause for <laughs> for doubt to seep in you know this is uh that's that's part of the problem is uh you've got business fundamentals being ignored and hopes and dreams being inserted in in those play in in, in its place and uh and at the end of the day and you know this, whether it's in your grocery business and your, your media business and all the other businesses, you know, my little sand and gravel and real estate development business, it's math, right? It's math. And you can't, you can't make the math defy reality. Well, Dr. Siegel says more people are dying of fentanyl now than they are from COVID. Yeah. Well, it's, and again, you've got a Customs and Border Patrol and a Department of Homeland Security under, uh, under Secretary Mayorkas that are ignoring what they should be doing legally and trying to do things that traditionally and I would argue legally have never not only never been done uh, shouldn't be allowed and uh, and so answering the question putting constraints back into government so it has a proper role in place uh, is uh, has got to be a primary goal well thank you so much for coming on and uh you know, let's pray for America because yeah. uh, we, we we all love America and uh, and God bless. Yeah, amen. And I want to just welcome everybody and invite everybody to come out to Michigan, uh, the nation's third coast. Uh, great sunsets on Lake Michigan, and I especially recommend June, July, and August where it's nice and warm. So, uh, but uh, well, come on out to Michigan. Thank you so much. All right, good to be with you. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. With us today is Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Earl Sears, and uh, she is uh, working very hard to, to improve what's going on in Virginia. And the typical problems that existed was our education system, uh, and that's why she got elected, and that's why uh, the Governor Youngkin got elected, and also the crime situation. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, give us an update. What is going on in Virginia? Well, hi, John. Good morning. Uh, you know, I was raised in the Bronx, so I still at times consider myself a New Yorker. But here I am now in our great Commonwealth of Virginia, and we hope that things are improving. We're trying to get things improved. And I know that there are people who have said, well, we've given you the governorship, the lieutenant governorship, the attorney general's uh, house. But uh and, and uh, the House itself, and why aren't things changing? And the fact of the matter is, John, we've still got a Senate that's Democrat in nature, Democratic, and uh, until we can get the majority there, you can't move very many mountains, and especially when the Democrats have decided that they are going to be a wall, and they've absolutely said that. They're going to be wow. a wall. I mean, well, the education system needs improvement, and, and, and they're stopping you? We couldn't have one in Virginia, John, unless we were able to convince enough uh, Democrats and independent-leaning Democrats that change was needed, and we could be that bulwark for them, for parents, when it came to when it comes to their children's education. And so they voted for us. So we're not talking about all Democrats. We're, there, there are Democrats we can work with, and then there are some. They have control of the state senate. And they're just determined that they're not going to make any change, except they keep saying we need to keep throwing money at it and money at it. And that doesn't do any good. When when the Democrats had full control of the legislative process and the governor's house, you know what they did when it came to fully funding education? Nothing, nothing. And now they're blaming us that we're not fully funding education. This is the stupidness we have to deal with. Wow. And uh, 
there's so many things that all over our country. Our country has fallen behind on on education. Uh, here, where I live in New York, uh, I, I believe we're down, like we're down to fifty uh, sixth in the world in education. I mean, for yeah. we spend the most money in the world, and our kids are not getting benefit of it. Which is proof that the issue is not education. The issue, as we see it, we've got problems in our society. You, you see it popping up everywhere. And what we need is the ability, John, and, and as businessmen, you know this, when there is competition in the, in the business environment, people either improve or things change very quickly. And if somebody can build a better mousetrap, people are going to go there. What we're saying is, in Virginia, that the parents want the ability to choose where their children should attend school, period. And the story. I am responsible for the education of my child, not the government. And if I want a better opportunity for my child somewhere else, who are these politicians who are standing in the doorway blocking me from sending my child to the school that's best for him? When did you become the parent? So what we're trying to have is exactly that, parents making that decision. And we have certain Democrats, the overwhelming majority of them, standing in the way. And yet, John, you know what we're finding? That these very Democrats, they send their children to private school, believe it or not. Send their children to private school, but the rest of us, we can't make that decision. It's the new red line which says if you live in a neighborhood, that's your school and that's your school only. And only the rich really have that kind of choice where you can still live in that same neighborhood but send your child somewhere else. We want that opportunity for everybody. Well, Lieutenant Governor uh, uh, Sears, thank you so much calling in from Virginia this morning. And um, let's fight for America and uh, make it a better world to live in for everybody. We have to, John, because my dad only came with a dollar seventy-five in his pocket at what seventeen days before Martin Luther King Jr. gave his "I Have a Dream" speech. There were real dog whistles. A black man who begged to come into the country at that time because he saw opportunity. John, you remember in the old country where you were born, you could only rise as far as your father got. But in America, it's different. And you know who knows that? The people you. who are trying to come You're across the You're now lieutenant governor of a very big state. Thank you so much. Take care. We'll catch up soon. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. With us today is uh, uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, one smart guy, former deputy assistant uh, to the president, uh, uh, Trump, and chief strategist. Uh Dr. Gorka, there, there's such a big mess going on, and there's new revelations coming on on uh, uh, security leaks. Uh, where do you want to begin? There's so many things uh, going. It, it, it looks like uh, uh, somebody uh, uh, created that report and asked those uh, 51 security people to sign it. We need to know the facts of the case. It's really banana republic police state tactics. The person who... Uh, approached the then deputy director of the CIA, Mike Morell, was in fact Anthony Blinken. Anthony Blinken was working for the uh, Biden campaign, and he asked somebody at the top of the U.S. intelligence community to gin up a fake letter saying the Hunter Biden lap isn't real, it's Russian disinformation. Fifty other uh, intelligence officers, former intelligence officials, signed that letter. And, of course, today, Anthony Blinken is Secretary of State. So we have descended to the gutter of police state tactics, banana state uh, tactics, where we had more than 50 intelligence operatives, former intelligence operatives, with clearances, lie about a very, very damaging document that affected the election of uh, that man's father to the White House. So whether it's the targeting of uh, uh, Manafort, Flynn, Carter Page by the FBI, whether it's the 
targeting of parents by the DOJ who speak at school board meetings, or whether it's the raid on the president's house. John, we, we are in very dangerous territory. I say this is a child of those who suffered under both fascist and communist occupation. My father was arrested, tortured, and imprisoned by the communist secret police. I never thought I'd see this in America. And today we are witnessing it. And the question is, can we ever have a free and fair election in America without uh, federal law enforcement or the intelligence community um, distorting the truth and lying about political actors? And uh, um, uh, Dr. Gorka, I mean, I have called upon uh, uh, people to, to, to stand up for America. The fact is, uh, I, I know the head of the FBI reports to the Department of Justice, but uh, as director of the FBI, if, if he feels the Department of Justice is doing something wrong, I think he has to have the courage to just stand up and say so. Well, but, but why would you if you're part of the conspiracy? I, I mean, we know Christopher Ray is part of the conspiracy. Uh, we know Merrick Garland is part of the conspiracy, or rather... A, a well, then, in, the, then the number two person should stand up and say there's something wrong, or the number three person. Forget, forget, forget about it. Forget about it. Look at what happened in Philadelphia. Now, let's just look at one case study. A pro-life pastor who had his 12-year-old son abused in front of a Planned Parenthood clinic, uh, a, a crazy pro-death, pro-abortionist activist was, was shouting and screaming in his 12-year-old son's face. That man, Mark Houck, defended his child, pushed that lunatic out of the way. In a local court, he was charged with a misdemeanor assault. That charge, of course, because he was protecting his child, was dismissed. It was thrown out of court. Four months later, the Philadelphia FBI sends a team of 20 FBI agents with rifles in body armor to arrest Mark Houck in front of his seven screaming children. Now, God bless Mark. He's a fighter, and he, uh, he, 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 he fought the FBI and the DOJ in court. And, of course, uh, he won because defending your child uh, is, of course, what every decent man would do. But the fact that local FBI, think of this, John. I mean, I know you'd have the honor. I, 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 I presume I would. If you were told by your supervisory special agent in the Philadelphia field office of the FBI, hey, uh, saddle up, get your uh, AR-15s, get your body armor. We're going to arrest a man for protecting his 12-year-old child. Uh, we would have done what, John? We would have said, screw you, here's my badge and my gun, I'm not the stinking Gestapo. But no, even at the lowliest level of the FBI, they said, yes, I'll be Biden's secret police officer. Yes, I will intimidate somebody simply because he's a Republican. So well, this is where we have sunken to. Sebastian, uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of FBI people, and the way I understand it is that the individual... Uh, uh, whether it's Harrisburg, Philadelphia, or, or New York, that they, they, they're pretty sacred. I understand uh, Washington has their own uh, hit squad that reports to the Department of Justice. So no, when no, you talk, no, no, tell no, 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 me... No, 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 John, John, I, I, before, I, before I joined the White House, my wife and I had the only external contract to provide training on al-Qaeda and ISIS to the FBI. I, I was doing 20,000 miles a month going from field office to RA, uh, teaching the FBI, special agents, the intel analysts, and the SOS support staff. I have trained literally thousands of, the, thousands of these people. I, I've had it with the likes of Hannity and others who say, oh, it's just servants' floor, it's just the leadership. No, the whole culture is corrupt. It's not just, this was the Philadelphia field office agent. This wasn't some bunch of Biden, you know, uh, you know loyalists deployed from Washington, D.C. This was the local field office. So, no, that, hey, look, when I was... So 20, you feel that, that, like, that it's infected. I, but John, you let, feel. Me, let me just finish. Yes, when I've got go buddies like Dan Ongino, former NYPD, former Secret Service, and I've got a former senior FBI officer on my show, 23 years in service, and both of them say this organization is irredeemable, unsalvageable. It must be dismantled. We have a very serious problem. So, you know, police state tactics are here, and the party they serve is the Democrat Party. Und understood. 
Uh, we got a couple minutes left. Anything else you want to tell the American people? Uh, very simply, what I tell them every day on my radio show, America First. Uh, listen to John. Listen to me. Listen to the greats like you know Mark Levin, Dennis Prager, Dan Bongino, uh, you know John Batchelor. But don't just listen to talk radio. Get engaged. If you don't save America, nobody will. There is nowhere else to run. It is up to you. If my wife utterly detests politics, can decide to run for local office, uh, you don't have any excuse. So get engaged, get politically active, run for local office, even if it's just, even if it's just a local library, even if it's just a local school board. That is how we take back America and revivify the founding principles upon which this nation was built. It's up to us, John. Dr. Guaca, thank you so much. Have a nice weekend, and we'll catch up again soon. God bless you and the listeners. Thank you. With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, our in-house uh, doctor, a scientist, uh, historian, observer. Dr. Michalos, uh, I so much enjoy talking to you, and there's so many problems in the world. Which one are we facing now? Well, today we're going to talk about some of the new research done by the civil engineers in England who are, are very concerned about the increased weight of electric cars with the electric car batteries and some of the older parking garages that were built in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, which structurally were designed to handle the average weight of a car in, during those periods, which was around 3,000 pounds. And now we've been approaching 5,000 pounds. And there's one particular model of a new electric uh, larger SUV that weighs 9,406 pounds. So guess what happens with these old, large parking garages, which have rebar that is now starting to rust out, and some of the concrete may not be up to the high PSI necessary. So these engineers have uh, done calculations and said that if we have some of these heavier cars parking, especially in the upper floors of some of these parking garages, we're going to start seeing these collapses. And these collapses are going to be uh, quite severe and also will potentially put out put on the large moldering car fires, which are a big problem. So uh, they're making recommendations that these uh, buildings have to be shored up with additional uh, beams and poles and uh, strengthening the floors up by 20%. To avoid a major disaster, so they're making these recommendations preemptively. Are you talking about almost almost every garage in our city? If they if they're going to get more and more electric cars, which is double the weight because of the batteries? Yeah, that's going to be a problem. So I think we're going to, you know, that I think preemptively, a lot of owners of these garages, their insurance companies now are going to become aware, and they're going to have engineers do engineering reports, and they're going to have to start shoring up. Uh, because of the large weight. But the large weight of electric cars is also a problem because the independent uh, safety and uh, insurance, the IHSS, which evaluates car safety, says that, yes, electric cars are being built structurally safe, but because of their extra weight, they're putting other cars, the lighter, smaller cars, at risk because the amount of force per unit area when a electric car hits a smaller car or even a large regular sedan car, the weight is so disproportionately higher that it'll end up causing severe damage to the occupants of the other car. And this is going to be a, an increasing uh, issue with the large weight because people want more range. And we now know that in cold weather, it cuts the range of the electric car. So people getting these larger batteries, adding more weight. So if you get hit or T-boned in a side impact collision by one of these super heavy electric cars, we're going to be seeing more fatalities in these types of uh, crashes. So the engineers are uh, putting out the alert, and we just want to make our audience aware on WABC and all those people out there who might own parking garages, start doing your due diligence and uh, be preemptive because it would be a, a real disaster if the weight brought down one of these older parking garages that are located throughout the country and throughout our five boroughs as well. The other thing I'm concerned about, if one thing is the weight of those electric cars with the, with the batteries. The other thing is the volatility of them catching fire. Like, uh, I, I know we're gonna, we had the other day, we had on uh, uh, people from the uh, fire union 
that uh, are concerned that uh, uh, the fires can, be, can, can happen and you can't put them out that easily. Yeah, that's one of the concerns. We need to have a national standard that any batteries related to these uh, electric bicycles, for example, have to be UL approved and they should not be really allowed to be imported into the country until they can pass a United Laboratories inspection. And also to consider when they're being stored or they're being charged that they have fire bags, just like you have uh, bags that you can put in uh, valuables and papers in your house. There should be bags that you can put these uh, batteries in while they're charging. So if they do ignite or they do catch fire, that there is some type of shielding to uh, limit the degree of spread of the fires. Because we not only worry about the fire and burning itself, but we worry about the hydrogen cyanide gas that is produced by the electric uh, battery uh, burning and breathing in that lithium ion for a sustained period of just more than a few minutes could potentially uh, kill someone. So that's something that also needs to be considered and addressed. Well, Dr. Peter Michalos, thank you so much for coming on and, and keeping the American people and all New Yorkers and all Americans informed and uh, I think we got to do some uh, more homework on these electric cars, and I think we have to do uh, some more homework on uh, uh, the weight of these cars in garages. And uh, uh, and the other thing I'm concerned about, I'm I'm having lunch uh, with one of the big executives of of an insurance company. Uh, if these cars are exploding, how do you put them into your family home? Because if they can't put the fire out, you're going to lose the whole house. Why would the insurance company insure your house? You know, one of the problems as a society, sometimes our technology is a little bit faster than the realities of the side effects of some of these uh, new technologies. Like we've talked about on WABC when uh, x-rays first came out, they used it for acne until they found out it caused thyroid cancer. So sometimes we need to do more due diligence. You're right. And that's why people need to listen to WABC and keep track of what's going on to make things better and safer and keep getting the truth out. Well, thank you, Dr. Peter Mihalos, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. You're listening to the Cats Roundtable. You're listening to the Cats Roundtable. With us today is Mario Economo, a uh, banker uh, out of uh, Zurich, uh, London, uh, New York. And uh, he usually gives us a, an update on Sunday uh, mornings. And uh, Mario, uh, what is going on in Europe? Yes, uh, good morning, uh, Cats Roundtable. A lot of interesting things continue to happen in Europe. Uh, this past week saw some very large demonstrations in the Czech Republic where hundreds of thousands of people showed up to protest the uh, failed energy policy of the country, which has resulted in astronomically high energy bills uh, that the people cannot afford. Spain has also been seeing um, protests specifically professionals protesting about working rights and conditions uh, uh, regarding the cost of living there as well. France continues to see huge protests in the streets uh, where people are uh, upset about the increase in their retirement age from 62 to 64. Um, so generally speaking, we are seeing some unrest uh, in Europe, across Europe. Um, I think one of the things we need to touch on today is a, vi a visit that the uh, NATO Secretary uh, General Stoltenberg had earlier uh, this past week in the Ukraine, where he basically said at the upcoming summer NATO conference in Lithuania, Ukraine's joining uh, of NATO will be discussed. Uh, and the view and the statements that have been presented from both sides, meaning the Ukraine and NATO, is that the Ukraine should become a member of NATO. Of course, Russia has responded to that and said that, in fact, if that does happen, it only proves the case as to why they did uh, invade uh, the Ukraine in order to protect their interests in their country. Uh, and they said that if, in fact, that were to happen, this war will continue indefinitely. Uh, we can touch on one other thing as well, and that is specifically in Turkey. We've seen, or rather in Turkey, we have to say the name correctly, uh, we've seen two things happen this week. We've seen that the uh, Biden administration has actually approved a very limited upgrade to their F-16 fleet, and specifically that in communication. Statements that the F-16 fleet was not going to be modernized or upgraded are in fact true, 
Uh, however, they did give them an upgrade on the communications, meaning these jets can now communicate with each other better in the skies. We also did see the, and it looks like the Biden administration is trying to soften the blow on the Hulk Bank, uh, the Hulk Bank uh, uh, situation. There was a bank there which was going to be charged in the U.S. criminal courts for evading sanctions against Iran and specifically for um, trading with Iran. It looks like now the prosecutors in the U.S. are going to relook at that case and they're going to most likely not proceed with an actual indictment of the bank. It's important to point out that that specific bank, the son-in-law of President Erdogan, is involved in it. So this is actually a pretty big development. Uh, one other thing we can also touch on, and this is uh, where we should probably end our discussion today, and that is specifically Germany and France and the different uh, direction they are both taking with respect to what President Macron referred to as European autonomy, specifically a Europe that's not going to be a vassal state of the U.S., Germany, for their part, and specifically through Foreign Minister Baerbock and her recent visit to China, she came back and she actually made some pretty, pretty bold statements, and specifically that even though China remains Germany's greatest trading partner, um, she does not believe Germany should trade with China at any cost. Her view is that Germany should trade with China only if China actually ha uh, accepts the responsibility it has towards working, working towards peace in the world, uh, and particularly using its influence over Russia and the war in the Ukraine. This is very different than the position that Francis Macron has taken, and specifically that uh, Europe needs to remain autonomous. Europe should not be getting involved in situations in Taiwan. And specifically, if Europe cannot resolve the issue in the Ukraine, why is it basically following America down the path of getting involved in other conflicts that take it out of its uh, uh, that take it out of its uh, a part of the world a region of influence? So we see in Europe now a Germany and a, Fran and a France, which are on completely different sides of the spectrum, specifically with future foreign policy engagement and wars. Um, well, Mario Trinomo, I mean, I am concerned because it looks like uh, uh, the Saudis are aligning themselves in one way, and we don't really know where uh, uh, Turkey stands. Uh, and, uh, well, I think we're dealing with serious business, Mario. Thank you, Mario Konomo. We'll catch up again real soon. Joining us now to talk about economy, and boy, is there a lot going on, is the great Larry Kudlow. He has the big top show there on Fox Business, also a big top show on Saturdays on WABC Radio. Larry, we are thrilled to have you. Fill us in on what's going on in the economy now. How did, uh, how did John do with all those left left-wing Harvard people. <laughs> he did. By the way, it was, he actually, he, you know what, John, as you know, he puts everybody on. He was a huge success. Hey, Larry, Ed Cox, they still want to make a billion apiece, so. <laughs> exactly. know, you know, uh, I, I spoke at the Harvard Club a while back. Uh, it's a tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that Princeton would be any better, but the Harvard thing was a tough crowd. And now we, we all have to go to this left-wing press thing tomorrow night. Because of John. I'm going only because of John. What is it? That's right. It is, is it? the inner circle, and it's, it is all the different New York media, so I get to see you in a tuxedo. So that's a good thing, Larry. These are these are David Patterson's friends. <laughs> yes, uh, they'll all be happy to see all of you there. <laughs> He's approved. Sure they will. Sure they will. I'm going to wear a baseball uniform. <laughs> Well, I'll say one thing, Rita. We got out, uh, I think, for the economy, the best news was the Republican House, uh, Kevin McCarthy, got out a very good budget plan, okay, a very good budget plan, um, which will uh, cap spending. It's going to save about $4.5 trillion. Um, this coming year, it'll save about $150 billion. And, he, and then not, I just had Maya McGinnis on our TV show uh, the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. It's a nonpartisan group, and she's a tough scorekeeper, but she said good things about it, so it's a very good start. But the problem is President Biden, you know, demeaned it. He insulted it. He called it wacko and MAGA and all this other garbage. 
and he's got to negotiate. His, you know, people in his own party are telling him they, they may not like McCarthy's plan. Okay, I understand that. But the Democrats in the House and the Senate, Joe Manchin, they're saying the president has got to start to negotiate. He must, because the debt ceiling is going to come a little sooner than people thought, because the April tax returns, which is the biggest month of the year, obviously, are coming in short so far on a daily basis. We can see it in the daily Treasury statement. So the president has got to stop all this gibberish. Stop this silly nonsense and negotiate. He It's been 78 or 79 days since he last talked to Kevin McCarthy, and that is just wrong. It is totally irresponsible, and he is risking a debt default by not talking. So where wow. do you see it coming together, Larry Kudlow? Well, I don't know. I mean, look, you know, it'll take – I've been through this many times uh, in my Washington career, and – it, it, it'll take weeks and weeks, Rita, to hammer out a deal. Look, there is going to be spending cuts associated with an increase in the debt ceiling. Okay, we're going to pay the debt. There's no question about that. Even without a deal, there'll be enough uh, money, believe me, to pay the uh, debt. So people listening shouldn't fret about that. If you own Treasury bills or Treasury bonds, you're going to be fine. But the point is, you, know, you can't do this overnight. This will take weeks and weeks. So we're coming in, whatever today is, April 20-something. You know, we're coming into May. And I think by June, the uh, Treasury is going to run out of money. And uh, they got to make a deal. It, it will take four, five, six weeks to hammer something out. You know, you got the House Republicans, okay. But the Senate is, is Democrat, obviously. And then you got the White House. Uh, and so far, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer is echoing the same thing. He's, he's calling it MAGA and this and that. Come on. They they know they're going to have to negotiate. They're being silly. They're being very irresponsible. Thanks for listening to the Cats Roundtable. If you missed any interviews, go to thecatsroundtable.com or go to wabcradio.com. Go to the podcast. Get those segments that you missed. Have a nice Sunday. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. NYC.